I I think all sports are great. Uh, in high school and college, I played football, basketball, swam, track, baseball. In college, they even suckered me into coming out for soccer and playing goalie. I liked all the sports. But the nice thing about swimming is you can be an individual, but you can also be a team member. And that's just extremely important for life. There's something special about swimming for your school and representing your school. listening to Taps Talk, a podcast from the Texas Association of Private and Parochial Schools. My name is John Skees. This is episode 12. The 2021 state swimming championships are just a few days away, but high school swimming, along with just about every other activity this year, doesn't look at all like it used to. It's hard to overstate the importance of sports like swimming, which is why so many people have worked so hard to make this year's competition take place. To reflect on that importance and to give us an understanding of how tap swimming has evolved over the years, we reached out to Bruce Rollins. Now, if you've ever attended a tap state meet before, then you've heard that name during the awards ceremony. The Bruce Rollins Swimmer of the Meet Awards are given to the top performing male and female swimmers based on NISCA power points earned throughout the state championship. Mr. Rollins has represented taps as a parent, swim coach, athletic director, athletic executive committee member, executive board member, and TAP swim director. And it's through his efforts, both in and out of the pool, that we are the way we are today. We were able to reach him by phone for this interview. My name is Bruce Rollins, and I was a former director of TAP swimming in 2000 to about 2012. I saw TAPs from many different positions. First as a parent, and I went to the TAP state meet, saw it, and then I saw it as a coach, and then I saw it as an athletic director, and then I saw it as a member of the TAP's AEC and TAP's board. I joined master swimming when I was about 51. I started swimming again because my back hurt. And they had a swim coach. It just so happened to be the swim coach of my daughter's high school swim team. Uh, after watching them for a couple of years, he retired. And they asked me to become the swim coach. And uh, I said, yeah, I'll do it on an interim basis. Four years later, uh, I wanted to know how long interim was. When we first started, tap swimming was very difficult. In fact, if the parent, it was just terrible. They would try to be like UIL and have preliminaries and finals, but they'd run it on the same day. So you'd start at 7 o'clock in the morning, and honestly, by the time they got done handing out the awards, it was 11.30 at night. And as a parent, that was just a very, very long day. But all through all this, swimming was clearly one of the premier events in TAPS. That in the track me uh, in the spring. You get more people there. You get more excitement. You get more yelling. Uh, and it was, wasn't only the individual awards. It was the team awards that were um, very valuable. They only gave out team awards to the top four. So everybody was fighting for those plaques. 
but the meets were still preliminaries and finals. And it was hard to determine how to do it and do it correctly. Uh, Ed Burleson came over to me and asked me if I would take over as tax swimming director. And so and that's where it started. And uh, what I did was said, there's going to be a preliminary on Friday and there's going to be finals on Saturday. And we swam the meet that way. Uh, but again, the meet was way too long. And handing out awards, we didn't do it uh, publicly in front of people. We just handed out the team awards at the end. And that shortened the meet quite a bit. Um, from there, we went from two regions to three regions. We went from just having a region in the south and the north, which was Dallas, everything down to almost San Antonio, Austin, and then everything south. Uh, we went to three. We went from to Dallas to Houston and San Antonio. Also during that time, we used to have an event called diving. Now, diving was a huge sport for the state public schools. But what was happening was a lot of these schools were taking out their diving boards because the insurance was just too high. And then at the smaller schools, they really didn't have divers. But we used to have some really courageous people, some real tough nuts, who were willing to do anything off the diving board. And because there were so few divers, they would score points for their team. But the diving really wasn't the highest quality. So near the end of my tenure in tap swimming, we took diving out. We had to make other changes, but we didn't know really how to make them. And then with the grace of God, we figured out how to do it. One year, there was terrific ice storms. And we were, gonna, we were under some kind of difficulty trying to make this meet work. What most meets that I swim in as a master swimmer, they are time finals. And so we went to time finals only, and that was a huge win for the parents, the coaches, and the swimmers. And if I'm correct, I don't think we ever went back to preliminaries and finals after that. I had a great role model when we first started uh, as a uh, state meet official. His name was Tom Osterlin. He would get to the meet and he would make everything run smoothly, even if it was going chaotically. He could smooth over a ruffled feather or a disqualification or something goes wrong with the timing system. He knew how to fix it. He knew how to keep everybody calm, and he knew how to make the meet run smoothly. So all in all, we finally got the program so well run. A swim meet started on time. It ran on time. It enabled us to hand out awards in front of the public, like they used to do back when the meets were gosh up along. And it, it really made the whole experience much more positive. At that point, 
the swimming was mainly run by the large schools. And they would set qualifying times. And if you didn't hit the qualifying time, you couldn't swim in the meet. A lot of these were counterproductive to including new swimmers and filling up um, top 8, 10, 12, whatever scoring we were going to go to so that we could get more people involved. The hard part was we were trying to keep and get the best swimmers to the state meet. And so what we would do would guarantee you, if you finished in the top six in your region, you were automatically qualifying to go to the state meet. And then we would take the next six fastest in the state to help guarantee that we were going to get the top uh, swimmers to be at that state meet. And unfortunately for me, on that Sunday night, I would have to go through all the results and qualify and then notify the coaches the next morning who actually made the state meet. I tried to make sure that every team had the same opportunity to participate and to win, and that people could have success at the region level and at the state level, and that the USA swimmers could feel welcome uh, by going to meets and, and swimming with their high school team. That's what we used to do down here. Uh, we hardly had any private school meets, but we we got all these schools, these schools that didn't have, that were single gender, and got them together, and then we created meets. And swimming became huge, and it it, it it was all because of taps. One of the neat things about swimming is getting to watch new teams develop. There were a lot of times where there was an awesome swimmer from a USA swimming program, and he or she would be the only one representing that school, so they'd only get to swim two events because they didn't have enough to do a relay. So you'd see these teams develop, and they'd go out and find some other kids that could swim just so they could have a relay. And you'd see the sacrifice for kids who were great freestylers would have to learn how to swim breaststroke or butterfly so they could have a medley relay. It, I mean, it was all kinds of fun. But the one that really choked me up was when the School for the Deaf came the first time to Mansfield. And they have a neat coach up there called Nick Mannion. And he had a bunch of swimmers. And it was their first region meet. And he talked about being nervous. And Nick was trying to do everything right. And what we did was I learned from somebody how to do in sign language, how to say welcome. And what I had was I had them come up before the meet started. And I, I had them turn and look at the crowd. And I'd, I'd already, I was talking behind teaching them how to say welcome the swimming, and when those kids turned around and the whole crowd did it, I mean, that was great. That was just, that was the best moment ever, uh, I think, along with watching these other schools develop. Now, Nick has taken that program up to the point where he actually had a state champion, and if I'm not mistaken, 
I think Brian told me that the school of the deaf placed in the top four, and if I'm wrong, I apologize, but I think they became a state championship team in the lowest division. There's something special about swimming for your school and representing your school. It's not like it's just you. When swimming is just you, there's no difference between USA and high school swimming. But when you start to build a team and you start to cheer for each other and you start to want to be a part of that team, it takes you from just focusing on you as the individual to focusing as you as a person of a group. And it gives you leadership opportunities. It gives you uh, friendship opportunities. I'll tell you honestly, the people with which I swam back in 1970 and 71 and helped win some national championships, we still get together every year, but not last year because of the pandemic. And we celebrate at a national swimming. A lot of us have changed, but we're still all good friends. And some of us aren't as fast as we used to be. But I think it's just fun to get out there and swim those relays and see how we do stacked up compared to everybody else. So I think, I think swimming is, is great at that school level where the friendships you make last for years. Tap swimming is about including people who never thought they could swim, who never had any idea that they could be any good. And, and I guess for me, swim, well, swimming is a lot like school. If you have a good coach and you listen to that teacher, you can learn how to do calculus. You can learn how to do science. Swimming's the same way. You could be the best freestyler in the world, but can you do the other strokes? Can you do the short events? Can you do the long events? There's always room to grow in swimming. And that's what I think swimming is a lifelong uh, something. I guess at my age, um, I'm still swimming and I'm competing. And I'm enjoying it as much as, if not more, than I did when I was a kid. But there are so many people that I was able to coach that came back years later and said, I learned a lot of lessons in that pool about myself. And those are things that helped me get through college and who actually helped me get through life. So I, I believe swimming doesn't matter out where you start. It didn't matter to me when I came back to swimming when I was 50 years old. The sport had changed. The strokes had changed. I had to start at the bottom. Now I'm pretty good. I did not expect to be a swim coach in my life. Uh, I worked for Procter & Gamble for 27 years. And it was just uh, on 9-11 I was flying and uh, pulled down in Denver, came home, retired, and six months later is when I became a swim coach with uh, St. Thomas and Duchenne. And boy, the story didn't end after that. Uh, and I would encourage anybody who has an interest uh, in swimming uh, to give it a try because you can't fail.
as long as you while you can. But there ought to be a lifeguard around. Anyway. TAPS Talk is a production of the Texas Association of Private and Parochial Schools. It is produced and hosted by me, John Skies, the Director of Media for TAPS. Special thanks to Bruce Rollins for taking the time to talk with me. Music in this episode by Patrick Patricios. You can subscribe and listen to TAPS Talk on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. You can stream all of our episodes and find links to subscribe on our website, taps.biz talk. See you next time.